Hey, grab your Bibles and let's turn together to the second chapter of Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 2, it won't be on the screen, won't be in the handout, so you'll want to open your Bibles and read together. You know, there's a significant competition in life grabbing for your attention, messages that are sent, ads that are pitched, knowledge that is passed, ideas that are proposed. We are bombarded by voices in the world around us. Each of us, on average, as U.S. citizens, receive and send 90 email messages every day. You are engaging in, on average, 94 text messages every day. You spend three hours and 15 minutes a day on your phone, and if you're on average, you check your phone every 12 minutes. If you're 24 and younger, you check it every eight minutes. In fact, some of you have a compulsion right now to check your phone, and I get that. You see between four and 5,000 advertisements every day from billboards to social media to magazines to radio, whatever the case might be, you and I are bombarded with messages every day. Most of us sense a, that we are overwhelmed with those. We have people that are talking to us, memes that are talking to us, bots that are talking to us, talking heads, spinmeisters. It's like the message just keeps coming at us constantly. Voices are vying for our attention. Proverbs chapter 2 is all about that. It is Solomon telling his son that there are voices out there that are trying to grab his attention and those voices can be foolish or they can be wise and he needs to be attentive to what those voices are saying to him and the path that those voices are leading him on. So look in your Bibles to chapter 2. We'll read the text. My son, Solomon says, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for, for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now that's going to be a re repeated theme. In fact, it is the purpose of why Proverbs is written so that we might come to an understanding of the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, and in doing so we would have wisdom. So as I mentioned early on, Solomon is going to repeat that over and over. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the per <laughs> perverseness. I don't know why I can say it one time, but I can't say it the second time. Who delight in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsake the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. 
For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inherit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Father, this is your word declared from eternity past. It is powerful, it is sharp, it is direct, it is life-giving. So we pause to just ask that you give us the wisdom and the insight and the knowledge and the understanding, the teaching by your Holy Spirit. And with sustaining grace, help us to walk in its truths. I pray to the glory of Jesus and for the good of the saints. Amen. Well, notice that Solomon is telling his son that there are four different voices in this text that are calling out to him. One is his voice. It's a voice of wisdom. Now, that might sound somewhat arrogant that Solomon would put himself in the same category as the word of the Lord, which is a wise word as well. But you have to remember, Solomon has come to God and said to him, I'm like a small child. I'm like a child without understanding. And I am about to lead these people. If you don't give me wisdom, God, I will not be able to accomplish. So he asks God for wisdom, and God gives him that wisdom. So Solomon, having received the wisdom of God, tells his son, Receive my word, for my word is from wisdom from God himself. And then he has a second voice, and that is the word of the Lord. He says to listen to the word of the Lord who gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge, and out of him comes understanding. But you also note in chapter 2, verse 12, that Solomon says there's a third voice, and it's the voice of evil men who are perverted in their thoughts, in their words, in their expressions, and the fourth of which is the voice of an adulteress. One who has a seductive way about her calling out to the son. So Solomon is saying to his son, there is a bombardment in you of words, of voices, of messages that are calling out to you. And he says to his son, be on guard about those voices. I think what he's, if you're going to settle down to a summary, it would be this. To Solomon and to us, heed and hear the words of wisdom. For with the words of wisdom come great understanding, understanding in righteousness and justice and equity, which I think means integrity and fairness, and to know the good path of life. If you will hear and heed wisdom, you will have insight to those things and understanding to those things, righteousness, justice, equity, and the good path of life. That, that voice of wisdom will lead you on a pathway that ends with life. And as you see at the end of chapter 2, it actually ends with an inheritance that is given to him by God. It's a reward of God. But then he says, if you heed, hear and heed the voice of folly, and the voice of folly in this case is evil men who speak perverted ways, and an adulterous woman who speaks in seductive ways, trying to lure him on a pathway of foolishness. If you hear and heed those voices, then you'll be walking a path, and that path will lead you to destruction and ultimately to death. So a wise person is one who contemplates the words that are being heard, 
listens to the words and with wisdom understands who's behind the message and with wisdom understands the path that they're being coached on and the end result of that path. That's a wise person. So you can't get out of hearing the voices of perversion. You can't get out of hearing the seductive words of sexual immorality. You can't, in this culture, you cannot stop those messages. Among the four or 5,000 advertisements that are coming against us at every day, the overwhelming majority of them have a seduction to them. You can't stop those voices, but what you can do with wisdom is who's behind the voice and what is the path that that voice is calling me to take and is that path a way of God or is it a way of destruction? Is it the way of righteousness or is it the way of sin? Is it the way of life or is it the way of death? You can, with wisdom, discern that and God will give you that. So a wise person considers the pathway and the destiny of that path. Now, as we move past chapter 10 in Proverbs, into chapter 10 and throughout the rest of Proverbs, you have these adages, little quips, if you will, wise statements, and you might think that those are random, that they're just a plethora of wisdom statements that are given to us by Solomon and a couple other people. But actually, they're all doing the same thing. They are helping us to identify there's a way that leads to destruction. There's a way that leads to life. There's a way that leads to sin. There's a way that leads to righteousness. There's a way that leads to an inheritance. There's a way that leads to a disinheritance. In fact, chapter 11 of Proverbs has those. And I'll just walk you through those for a moment. Proverbs chapter 11 says this in verse 4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, Think about this in the terms of the second chapter of Proverbs. He's wanting us to hear the words, to listen with distinction who the voice is, what's the purpose of the voice, and what path are they leading me on. So in this case, it's riches do not profit in the day of wrath. The voices of the world, specifically in our culture, are constantly telling us that riches are the greatest. That if you want to be successful, if you want to be deemed successful, it is riches but riches in and of themselves, if that's your desire, if that's what you're going towards, if that's what your life is moving towards, in and of itself, riches will lead you to a place of destruction because all people are coming to a pathway that ends with the face of God. All people are coming to the one who owns everything and your riches mean nothing to him. My riches, my 403B mean nothing to him. I might check the the balance on it, see, I might look at the projections whenever the Lord wants me to stop preaching, what will be the resource? I might look at all that and think I got it all together, but no, no. Proverbs says if you're going to elevate riches to the highest, you've got to know that that's a day, there is a day of wrath coming and those riches will mean nothing to you. Instead, he says, take the pathway of life and that is righteousness delivers us from death. So there's a day coming where we'll meet face to face with God and he demands holiness. He demands perfection. And we fall desperately short of that glory. In that day, blessed is the one who has righteousness. Not that they've lived their life in an effort to achieve righteousness, but by God's grace in faith, they have received the righteous gift of God. Christ has 
taken all their unrighteousness on himself on the cross and forgiven us for that and given to us all of his righteousness. That's a gift. Now, blessed is that person who walks that path by hearing that voice of the Holy Spirit, elevating righteousness above all things in the day when they stand before God, they're blessed. Does that make sense? Now, continue on in chapter 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. So in our culture, the one who gets the most comments on a social media post, the one who gets the most feedback from Twitter, the one who has the most outlandish statement out there, even the belittling statement, the one who tears other people down, they are the ones that are exalted. But there is a pathway that that voice has been led to follow, and that path pathway will end in destruction. And so Proverbs says, rather than you belittling people, blessed is the man who understands that the measure of judgment that you extend on somebody else is the same measure by which God will judge you. Blessed is that person who remains silent. So there's a pathway. There's a voice that calls out to us, and that voice puts us on a path if we heed the voice, and that path will lead us either to blessings or to judgment. If you continue on in Proverbs 18, uh, verse, verse 18 of chapter 11, the wicked earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. So the voice of the world says, you got to do all you can do to get ahead. We call that a winning strategy in business. You call that getting the better end of the deal. What God says, it's an earned wage that's, done in wickedness. It doesn't mean you can't be savvy in business. It means you cannot be evil in business. You can't cheat people. You can't lie to people. You can't promote something as one thing knowing it's another. So blessed is the person who recognizes that voice and chooses not to follow that path that leads an ultimate destruction and death. Blessed is the person who sows righteousness so the business deal can still go forth even as you are sowing righteous righteousness even though it may not mean so much monetary prosperity it brings a wondrous work into the kingdom of god it brings a wonderful display of the gospel in the in the face of others it it is blessed by god and he may bless you today with temporary measure but he will certainly bless you in the future of eternity with a reward that is everlasting so blessed is that person so each of us wants righteousness and understanding that's the reason why we're here you knew what I was going to teach today. It's Proverbs. You knew that I was going to teach you about wisdom and that, that God's word would proclaim this about wisdom. So you're here because you want wisdom so that you might know righteousness and have understanding. We all want God to deliver us from destruction and death. We want to receive God's reward. So if we want these things, then we have to pursue wisdom and walk in them. According to Proverbs 2, wisdom is to be pursued and is also to be received. Now this sounds like a dichotomy, but it's not. What Solomon is saying is pursue it and at the same time receive it as a gift. Reach for it at the same time, let it be given to you. So Proverbs 2 helps us to see that. Go back into, the, into your Bible. I've given you this little image on the screen uh, to help you to put it into smaller capsules that you might 
see what God is doing here. So as you can see in the handout, first he is told to listen and embrace wisdom, his words that were given to him by God and God's word that's revealed in the scripture, and then to pursue it, and then to know it, and then to receive it, and then of course, it will be deposited into our hearts. So let's go back through the text and just watch this for a moment. First of all, he says in verse 1, Receive my words and treasure up my commands. Now that's to be received by him, but then at the same time, he's pursuing it. Now listen, if you and I are going to walk on a path of wisdom, if we're going to walk in a way with Jesus, if we're going to live a life that is rewarded, if you're going to know righteousness and justice and fairness and know the good way, then it's not just what you receive, it's what you pursue. So he says, make your ear attentive to it. Listen for it. And then incline your ear to understanding. Call out for it. Ask God for insight. How many of you have done that? Or you're just saying, Lord, I need insight on this. I don't know the right way. I don't know the right voice. I need to hear with clarity. I need insight. He says, call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. I think that's in prayer. Sometimes it's uttered in words. Sometimes it's uttered in my heart. He says in verse 4, seek it like silver and search for it like a hidden treasure. So this is not passive. This is very active. God is going to give it. God has proclaimed it to it. Uh, it to us, but we are to be active in it, working towards it, choosing to walk in the way. And then he says, you will know it. When you act in those ways for understanding, you ask God for it, you will know and understand the fear of the Lord, finding the knowledge of God. And as we have that knowledge of God, we receive wisdom. For from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then look at the benefits of this. In verses 7 and 8, the benefits are of wisdom. The wisdom will bring you to uprightness. It will be a shield for you who walk in integrity. It will guard your path and it will watch over you as saints. That makes sense that we would walk in that way of wisdom. That's genuine prosperity, my friends. That's what God's prosperous way is for us. It's not more stuff. It's not more possessions. It's not more persona. It is walking in the way of wisdom and having wisdom guard you, walk with you, shield you, watch over you. And he says in verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice. You'll know fairness and you will know the way of God. That's what we're after right there. So, Lord, help us to be attentive to the voices in our life, to know who is actually speaking behind those voices, and to know the path that those voices are taking us on. Let us reject any of that are not of you, and let us walk with reception of that which is of you, and let us pursue it with all we have. And as we pursue it, you're going to give it to us, and you will put it in our heart, which is what verse 9 and 10. Wisdom will come in your heart. He will make it part of who you are. And you'll know. And people will come to you to ask, what is righteousness? What is justice? What is equity in this? And what is the right way that I should go? If you want to know, should you take the job? Should you date the girl? Should you go with the boy? If you want to know, should you build the house? Should you buy this? Have that? Go there? It all comes with wisdom. Because with wisdom comes an understanding of righteousness and justice and fairness and the way of God. 
And that's what we're longing for, to actively be pursuing that. So we accept the words of wisdom and we reject the words of perversion and seduction. So there are voices out there that are perverted and they seduce. Uh, Let me just mention what perversion is in the biblical sense that I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about just foul language. I'm not talking about cussing. Although I will say that as followers of Jesus Christ, what should be in our mouth are blessings, not curses. That's what the Lord says. And so if you still have that unclean mouth, by the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in you, may you forever utter that which is a blessing and never that which is a cursing. Let your language not be common to the world. Let it be uncommon to the world because you are thinking on things above, things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are right. That's just the way of the saints. If you're a saint of God by the declaration of Jesus Christ, then speak like saints of God. But that's not what he's saying here. That's a whole other section. What he's saying here is perversion to the way of God. Because we're talking about pathways, right? We're talking about distinct pathways. There's only two. It's not like you can move back and forth from a bridge, from a path of destruction to the path of life, then back to destruction. It's not like you're going to have yourself on a path of wisdom and then suddenly you want to jump over to the path of folly and walk it for a while, then back over to wisdom. No, there's just two paths. You're either walking one or you're walking the other. You're moving towards a destination of destruction or life. So he's saying to us, blessed are those people who walk in wisdom and choose not to hear anything that is perverted that is against the way of God. Remember, God has created things in rhythm in a way. And wisdom understands the way creation has come about and the workings of creation. Wisdom walks in that rhythm with God as it is perfected by the reconciliation of Christ Jesus. Wisdom says, there's a way of God and I want to follow that way. And that way leads to life. Folly is, there's, there may be a way of God, but I really don't care right now. I want to live in the moment. I want to have what I want to have in the moment. That's folly. That's foolishness. That leads to destruction and ultimately death. So Solomon says to his son, make sure you are rejecting the words that are perverted. All right, let's go all the way back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 starts like this. You know the way it is. In the beginning, God In the beginning, God created heavens and earth, right? right, So a perverted way of that is that there was no God in the beginning. The perversion is God did not create. The perversion is that God does not sustain. That God was not in the beginning. And the reason why that's perverted and why that is folly that leads to destruction is because if that is the way it is, if, if... The perverted word is God did not create, God was not in the beginning, and He didn't create, He doesn't sustain, then that means that without a creator, there is no defined way of life. There's no order that is required of a creator. And if that's true, that means there's no obligation for me or for you to walk in that way. And if that is true, then there's no consequences for me choosing any way that I want to live. You see, perversion takes us off of the way of God and puts us on a way of folly that ends up in destruction. It says there is no God, there is no way, there's not an ultimate uh, consequence, there's not an accounting of the way I live my life because there is no one 
that I'm accountable to. That's foolishness. And he says, reject that kind of folly. Now listen, you could be a a philosopher that has all kinds of articles and books written, published. You could be an accredited scientist that everybody just wants to be around and listen to. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't get first and foremost that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, your acclaim means nothing. You speak in perverted folly. The scripture is absolutely clear about this. That you must first understand that there is a creator. And you and I are accountable to the creator. I'm not going to read it in its fullness, but... Romans chapter 1 is all about that, where you have people that think they're wise and proclaim themselves to be wise, but absolutely they're foolish because they reject that there is a creator. And once they reject there is a creator, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They go their own way, and in that God says they just move right into all kinds of sin in their life to the point that God says, I'm going to turn them over in their sin. There is a way that God has created creation to be, the universe to be, and because they reject God, they walk away from that created order and they choose to walk in their own direction. Case in point, if you go to the second chapter of Genesis, you find this. I probably have thrown those people in the back completely off because I'm jumping around. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, And they shall become one flesh. All right, so here's the order. Here's the way that God has created things to be. This is a moral reality that is absolute. There's not a plan B. There's only plan A because God is perfect in his plans. And so he says, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. All right, a perverted speech goes something like this. We're thinking about getting married, but we want to go ahead and have sex to see if we're sexually compatible with one another. Now you laugh, but that has been proposed to me. I challenged that and asked them to rethink that, that that was foolishness outside of the way of God and God would not prosper that. They chose to ignore the words of wisdom that God had imparted to me in that moment. They rejected that and they went on and did their thing the way they wanted to do it. And within a year after being married, they were divorced. See, they put themselves on a pathway of destruction because they heard the voice. And the voice said, you know, sex is really important in marriage. You ought to make sure you're sexually compatible before you get married. And that moved outside the realm of of God's way. And when you're outside the realm of God's way, you're on a path that leads to destruction. You okay? You with me? Now, I know the world says it's completely different, but the world has a voice that is not spoken of by God. That voice is of the enemy. And that voice is to move people to destruction and death. And he'll use whatever means necessary to bring that about. I mean, I could give you more uh, instances of that you know we've decided randy that um, we're just going to live together rather than get married it it makes financial sense for us to do that well now you're on a path of destruction 
outside of the way of God. You've heard the voice of somebody that said somehow your money, your $200 a month more that you're going to get is a better opportunity than you to walk in the blessings of Almighty God. See how foolish that is when you stop and think about the voices and the pathway, the destruction or life that it could bring into your life? Or God would want me to be happy and I'm not happy in my marriage, so I am going to divorce my spouse. That's the voice of perversion. They've heard somebody say that, multiple people say that, the world says that, but there is a voice behind that message that is a destructive voice. We could just go on and on, couldn't we? That God has a rhythm and He gives us wisdom that we might know that rhythm and know that way and even gives us the power in which we are to walk that and in the end He rewards us for doing it. It's amazing. But constantly the concophony of voices and sounds and messages that come to us have to be distinguished Voices of folly and voices of wisdom, paths of destruction and paths of life, paths to wellness, paths to sickness. You have to constantly think through them. So perverted speech is speech that distorts the realities of God and pr promotes folly in order that you might be destroyed. Now think about the number of voices that you're hearing if you're engaged in media in this world, which we all are, good grief, I don't know how you survive today without media. But when you hear the media and the messages behind the media, you have to think, who is the voice that I'm hearing? I know I'm seeing that woman talk on TV. I'm seeing that guy post something on social media. I'm reading about this on a blog, or I'm listening to this artist sing this song, but who is the voice behind that? And what is the purpose of the voice behind that? What pathway does this song, does this message, does this show put me on? What is it advocating? Is it leading me to the righteousness of Christ or is it leading me to the unrighteousness of the world? Is it leading me to life? Is it leading me to death? Is it leading me in destructive ways or healthy ways? You have to ask yourself those questions. And what is it like? And seek the answers to that. Wisdom has that. A few days ago, we were in the book of Micah in our daily reading plan and we came across in chapter 6, verse 8, probably one of the most important verses in all of the Bible of the Old Testament. It says this, God has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God? All right, so this is the established path of God. This is what He requires of us. Randy, in your walk, Walk in this way. I'll help you. I'll empower you. I'll give you a new nature. I'll give you my word to encourage you and champion you and instruct you. Walk in this way. Bring other people along the path with you, the local church, and walk in this way. Make sure that you do justice, you love kindness, and you walk humbly before your God. That's the voice of wisdom. But all along, the voice of folly on television, in, moody, in movies, on social media, in your co-workers, in your family, in your neighbors, all along the voices of folly are hoping that you'll do very differently. That you will discount justice. You will discount walking humbly with your God. You'll discount the loving kindness 
of God and what He requires of us to live with. So everything that is opposite of that is a voice of folly. It's a perverted voice. All right, so when you're watching television, wisdom says, what am I hearing and what's the voice behind this and what pathway does this lead me on? You have to be careful because a lot of people will say, well, you know, Randy, I can just kind of weed through that stuff. I can pick and choose and I can navigate through this show and yeah, I know it's got this and yeah, I know it's got that and yes, it promotes this and yes, it trashes Christians and all that, but I can kind of weed through this. I'm mature enough to be able to do it. My friends, this is what Solomon says to his son. Don't listen to their perversion. Don't listen to their seduction. Don't listen to it. It is moving. It's meant to move your heart away from God. It's meant to stop you from pursuing the wise way of God. Proverbs 19.27 says, Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. It's what the whole world and the voice that's calling you to destruction is hoping will happen. That you'll listen to the world and stop listening to God. Then he says, reject the words of the adulteress who is seductive, leading you to death. Proverbs 5 says it in another way. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly he is led astray. Ladies, you are vulnerable to the flirtatious words of a man who is paying attention to you, who's recognizing that something's different. New dress, new hair, comments about that. How beautiful you are, how witty you are, how smart you are, how unique my friendship is with you, how much I love you. All those words are alluring, trying to bring you on a path of destruction. And it's a broader path that he's hoping that you'll come alongside of him so that he can do his way with you. And Solomon is saying, don't fall for it. The moment your heart is given to the opportunity to be with Him, to be encouraged by Him, to be loved by Him, is the moment you take your first step on a path of destruction, and I promise you, it will lead in death. I've seen it happen dozens of times. And men, we are vulnerable to the smooth words of the adulteress. She stirs the emotions by building up our ego and flattering us with words to show appreciation and respect for us. She provokes us physically with her movements and with her gestures, and she whispers what seem to be like words of honey, but as Proverbs says, they're actually bitter like venom. She awakens the sin in us, offering us discretion and secrecy. But once we turn our fantasies to her or we turn to her physically, we begin walking down a pathway that will end in destruction and death. Seen it happen dozens of times. So Solomon is telling his son, listen to the words. Listen to the voice. Who's behind the voice? What destruction does it end with? Or what righteousness and life does it end with? Wisdom stops to say who's the voice and what's the path. 
You know, when it comes down to it, you and I have fleshly desires that are in our body. We were born with them. It's like a DNA code. You're not going to be able to break it. Now, by God's grace, He has saved us, made us to be born from above, born from heaven. He gave us a new heart. He gave us a new nature. And He took up residence in us by His Holy Spirit. It's amazing stuff. The problem is we're still living in the flesh that is yet to be glorified. That means glorified in spirit, yes. Announced before God that we're holy and blameless, yes. But our flesh, my hands, my feet, my mouth, my eyes, my every part of me has a craving for sin. And what Solomon is saying, yeah, your spirit may be transformed by the Holy Spirit of the living God, but your flesh has yet to be transformed gloriously. So don't listen to the words that might provoke the sin in your flesh and you be given to that. Be wise in that. So why are you surfing on the internet aimlessly? Why are you clicking on that person's Facebook page when you know there's history? And why are you having a discussion with her? Why do you sense the excitement in your heart for him? And why are you fantasizing about her? She's not your wife. Why give the voice the opportunity to provoke the flesh? you got to be wise, he says. This is the deer hunter season, and right now we're in the middle of bow season, but soon we'll be in the middle of gun season, and all you deer hunters are ready, aren't you? In fact, the empty seats that are in the house are for those that just couldn't wait. They didn't make it back for Sunday. This is what you're dreaming of. This is what you're longing to see. You're longing to see that big old buck that will be the trophy of your house if your wife will let it. And that buck will come out on a field like that only for one of two reasons. He's hungry and the food source is there or he's in the rut and he's looking for a mate. And when he's driven in his desires, either for food or for sex, he will put himself in a very open and vulnerable position, having no idea that 25 feet in the air in that oak tree, right on the edge of that field, is the hunter who has been longing and waiting and plotting for him to come there. Most of us are sort of like those deer in the field. We say things to ourselves like, you know, God, I really have a problem with this. We don't voice it to other people, mostly. I've got a problem with rage. God, if you could just help me with rage. I've got a problem with lust. And if you could just help me, Lord, cleanse my eyes, cleanse my mind so that lust is not prevailing in my life. Or I've got a problem with overeating. I've got a problem with gluttony. Or maybe it's the opposite of that. I've got a problem with undereating because I'm trying to conform to this image that the world says is beautiful. 
or I've got a problem with materialism, or I've got a problem with greed, or I've got a problem with lying, or I've got a problem, whatever it is, this is my problem. All right, the deer has a problem right now. But where he needed to focus was the discernment needed before he got to the problem. Discernment says, I wonder if this is a baited field. Discernment says, I wonder if something is out to get me. I wonder if I am in danger. Discernment says, there is something calling out to me. So maybe you need to trail back and say, Lord, yes, I have a problem with lust, but discernment would say, why am I putting myself in a position where my flesh is enticed? Why do I allow my imagination to go forward? Why do I follow that pursuit on the internet in pornography? Or why am I given to more and more stuff? Why am I going into this store when I don't need to be buying anything? Why am I on Amazon again knowing that I've got a problem there? I need to step back and be perceptive of the voices that are calling out to me. A voice for more of the flesh. More materialism, more debt, more sex, more whatever, more alcohol. Listen to the voice. Don't put yourself in the vulnerable position to hear that voice that's calling you to a path of destruction. Instead, listen to wisdom. That's where he starts it out. Listen to me, my son. God has given me wisdom. Listen to the Lord. He will impart wisdom to you. Seek it. Search for it. Pursue it in all your life. And then it will guard you, protect you, show you the right way. You'll know the righteous path. You'll know the just way. You'll know equity. Listen to wisdom. My big hang up for most of us is that we just don't pay attention. Just get into the cultural stream and flow with it. It's not that you wake up in the morning and say, I think I want to be rebelliously sinful today against the holiness of God. But it's that you get up and you put on your clothes and you go to work or you go to school without even considering the voice of wisdom. And because of that, you quickly hear the voice of folly. And because you have a sinful flesh, you fall to the alluring voice and you move towards destruction on a pathway of folly. So he's saying, listen to wisdom, reject folly. Now, the good news for us is that it's not up to you and me. The power is up to Jesus. In fact, Jesus gives us the means by which we can live differently which is the last point of this message. Wisdom, Jesus Christ, delivers us from the evil way, giving us an understanding in righteousness, justice, fairness, in every good way. He says, wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I think that that's not just words, but that is Jesus himself. Wisdom, the ultimate in Jesus Christ, will come into your heart. His mind will be your mind. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. You'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. So the key to not walking in folly is to purposefully walk with wisdom. 
And that's revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And the key to not hearing and heeding the voice of folly is to listen intently to the voice of wisdom, who is Christ Jesus. And the solution to folly and destruction and death is to be in right relationship with God through Jesus, who is wisdom. So if you're here today and your life is on a path of destruction, and you know that, God has alerted you to the end when you stand before Him, and you have nothing for which to offer Him as an excuse for your sinfulness, then know that Jesus is your answer. The righteous one took on your unrighteousness and mine and paid the price of God's justice. The righteous one, out of His love and grace, gives us his righteousness, putting it into our account, God viewing us righteously. Then His Spirit dwelling within us that we might walk on a path of wisdom unto life. That's the path to be on. So if you're here today and God has brought you to this place in order that you might know Jesus, surrender your life, repent of your ways, turning away from your sin and walking with wisdom, Jesus, on a path, then come to Him by faith. That's how we all come to Christ, is by faith. Maybe you're here today, and it's suddenly alert to you by the Spirit of wisdom who is saying, you're on a path of folly, you're on a path of destruction, and you don't have to be on that path. And the way you get off that path is repentance. Turn away from your sin and turn to the righteous way of God. Maybe you've bought into the way the world sees things and it's a perverted way of seeing things. You say, yeah, I know that's in the Bible, but this is today. This is 21st century today. Could we just come to a conclusion that the wise words of God are eternal, both in the past and in the future? And though we might be in the 21st century, God's word has not changed. And we determine to walk that word and that path. So help us, God, I pray, for those who are wrestling even now a fight between the flesh and the spirit. May the spirit win out for those who have walked a path of folly in their entire life. May they turn to you, wisdom, Jesus, repenting of their ways, repenting of their sin, confessing their sin to you and agreeing that you alone can rid them of their sin and give them your righteousness. And Lord, for the one who knows you, but has chosen for some reason to heed the voice of folly or perversion or seduction, may this be the day that they reject those words, reject that voice, and come to wisdom, the Lord Jesus, who has the right way, who is righteousness. I pray that ultimately that would bring glory to him. Or how else, Lord, will we ever walk in righteousness except that Jesus would give it to us? How else, Lord, would we ever have wisdom unless wisdom be imparted to us? How else will we ever seek it, pursue it like it's a treasure unless your spirit enables us to do so? So, Lord, we say yes to you in this journey and pray that we would live that life unto your glory. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.